Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Okay, I'm going to need some people to help me this morning by reading some scripture. And um, I wonder if you could uh, volunteer by giving me a, a, a nod and a, and a keen smile. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Grace. Thank you, Grace. Who else is nodding and smiling keenly at me? Stephen is nodding and smiling keenly. Okay. Give you... <laughs> Pete, you're looking in the direction, my friend. Okay, one, one more person who's nodding and smiling keenly. John, um, Jim, brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Well, welcome this morning. It's great to see visitors with us. You're really welcome. We didn't have a chance to say hello before we started. Because everyone else was, I think that's a good thing. But hi, you're really welcome among us. This is a season that we're in together where we are going to be particularly... Uh, in the word, looking at, at who we are as a church. I think that's really, really important. And this morning, we're going to let the word of God speak to us. We've got, uh, got five different readings coming up this morning. And it's important that we listen to the word as it is read, because that contains life for us in, in every way. You know, we want to approach the word of God with a, with a reverence, with, with what scripture would describe as a holy fear. Yeah, because these are God's to us. So why don't we start by just bowing our heads for a second and, and we'll pray. So Father, thank you that you have contained your words of eternal life to us in the holy scriptures. And we are going to look at those this morning with, with reverence and, and a holy fear because the way you say we should live our lives is is something we should take notice of. And so would you speak to us this morning by your spirit? Would you show us truth? Would you show us who we are in Jesus? Would you, would you show us something today which can be a springboard to the season that's ahead of us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So when I first prepared what I want to share with us this morning... I was expecting to speak to a, a very special audience, in fact. And uh, I was preparing to speak to people who had been chosen by God himself. People who were not just regular folks, but people who were, in fact, royal priests. People to whom God had said, people to whom God had said, you are mine. And the people I was preparing to speak to had, had nothing particularly special about them. You know, they're an ordinary bunch of folks in many ways. And nothing particularly special to identify them. Other than that God had found them. And he'd poured out his love and kindness on them. And uh, he declared them to be his people. And the people I was preparing to speak to, I, I know, had received special mercy from God, special kindness and favour from God, because they used to be living far away from him, in darkness. But God drew them to himself through his glorious light, through his son, the Lord Jesus. These were people who used to be completely without hope, People who would experience the, the dilemmas and the difficulties of the day, but with no answer to it. Because 
There was no hope in their lives. But, but the people I was planning to speak to were people who have hope because they know that whatever the dilemmas and the difficulties of the day, there is hope and there is hope eternal because God has promised us a better future. And these people that I was expecting to speak to have been called into the light, not just for themselves, but in order that they can shine the light of God to the communities around them in their workplaces and and in schools and in neighbourhoods and in streets. And and the thing is, this is the first time I'm going to preach this message. And the people I was expecting to speak to, it's us. <laughs> you knew that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. You knew that, didn't you? Because that is who we are. So whilst we are sitting here in a fairly humdrum school hall in Market Harbour, we are special and unique because God has found us and He's poured His light into our lives. What a great thing that is. You know, we need to know who we are. If we really know who we are, it will change the way we live. It will change the dynamic of us when we are together in this way. And we're going to spend time in, uh, in Paul's letters to the churches in Ephesus and to Colossae. And much of those letters are giving over to, um, to Paul, reminding his readers of who they are and how they should live in the light of that. And those are words to those churches in that day, but they're relevant words to this church in in this day. And with that revelation comes maturity, becoming more like Christ in order to further shine God's glory into the world. One of the things we're going to be looking at in coming weeks, I'm sure, is when we get to Ephesians 4, it's talking about the the purpose of God's gift to the church is to mature the church. I hope you know that the the purpose of us being together is, is maturity, it, it's not meetings. That's right. yes. Meetings are a, mean, a means to an end. Maturity is the goal. Yes. Yeah. And I've been asked to uh, share something today of why I love the church. <laughs> that was the title that I was given to me, why I love the church. And I'm going to try and talk a bit about that, but I'm really going to talk more about Jesus. And uh, a bit less about myself. But I will just say this at the start. I, I do really love the church. I, uh, I, I've been part of a church ever since I was teeny tiny. My parents took me to church from, you know, from the day I was born, I think. And I've always known what it is to be part of a, a gathering on a Sunday. But there had been a moment for me where something that seemed quite routine and almost dutiful became a joy because I'd seen something in the scripture of what the church is and who, and who we are uh, as the gathered church. And the church I read of in scripture is beautiful. <laughs> and it's a powerful source of transformation to individual lives and to the lives of, of, of men and women who we come across in our everyday for families, communities, workplaces, Villages, towns, nations, and the world. But that's not all removed from us, including us. You know, we must very much see ourselves as part of of the church. And if we know Jesus as our saviour, if we've given ourselves to follow him, 
if we've chosen to allow ourselves to be discipled by him, then we are part of his worldwide church. Hundreds and thousands of people who have committed to follow Jesus. But his worldwide church is broken down into lots of smaller gatherings all over the planet. Gatherings just like this. Smaller communities of believers committed to Jesus and committed to his mission and committed to one another. So when I'm talking about the church today, I'm talking about us all together. Not some other people. Not, not for the keen ones of us, whoever they may be, or any other combination, but, but to all of us. This is us. And listen, here is the first reason that, that I love the church. And it's this. It's because Jesus loves the church. In fact, Jesus really loves the church. So we're going to read something in the Word now. Who's got Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 21 to 30? Grace, okay. We're going to give you a microphone, Grace, so we record this on the tape. Okay, I know it's not been a tape for 25 years. <laughs> but, <it's> a, <laughs> but we're going to record it. Okay, we're going to record it. And uh, let's listen to this. This is, this is Paul uh, writing in Ephesians chapter 5. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. Brilliant. Thank you, Grace. What a, what a great and interesting passage of scripture. Paul is using the analogy of a marriage in which the, the church is the, the bride or the wife and Jesus is the husband or the bridegroom. And it's a great analogy because it, it works both ways. It teaches us something both about Christ's passion for the church, but it also gives us instruction as how we are to conduct ourselves within our own marriages. It works both ways. But let's concentrate on Christ's love for the church. Look at that passage on your, in your Bibles now and see how much he loves her. Verse 25, Christ loves the church so much he gave up his life for her. Yes. Yes. That's quite a challenge, isn't it, to us who are husbands, who are told to love our, our wives in that way. But Christ loves us so much that he gave up his life for us. That was no small thing. In fact, it, it was everything. He loves the church so much, he commits, verse 26, to making her holy and clean. And verse 27, he presents her to himself as a glorious church without blemish. Christ is all for us. He really loves his church. 
And you know, I love the church because Jesus loves the church. If Jesus is the Lord of my life, then I'm going to want to love the things that he loves. And the idea that we can love Jesus and be indifferent about his church is, is peculiar. So if my friend Benj came to me and said, uh, Phil, we're great friends. I love spending time with you. Can we spend time together tomorrow? I'd go, great. That sounds good. Benj, yes, come over tomorrow. Let's hang out together. Let's spend some time together. But then, you know, if Benj was to then add, actually, can I just say this? I don't really like your wife. <laughs> I, I have little time for her. And to be honest, if she's around tomorrow, it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Can we keep her out of the way? You know, we're laughing, aren't we? And we're also slightly cringing. Because what a horrible thing to say. And that, that's, that's offensive to me as my wife's husband. It's offensive to my wife if she finds out about it. Yeah? It's, not a, it's not a normal and natural relationship. If we love Jesus then we are going to love his church because his church is the bride of Christ. Uh, who's got Acts chapter 20, verse 28? Becky, just hang on for the mic. So this is Paul. Paul is writing, uh, no, Paul is speaking here to the elders of the church in Ephesus on the first occasion that he's met and is now leaving them and he gives them this instruction. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Thank you, Becky. The church is really precious to Jesus. It's purchased with Jesus' own blood, as again we've been reminded there. And the Ephesian elders here are charged with guarding themselves and guarding God's people, the church. The church requires feeding and shepherding. And Paul is saying that the church is so precious to Jesus that we are to give ourselves, all of us collectively, to guarding ourselves and nourishing ourselves. And this, this is not just the responsibility of, of the elders in the church. This is the responsibility of the church. Because Jesus loves us. He wants us to guard ourselves collectively. He wants us to feed and nourish ourselves collectively. There's an action involved here. It's not a passive activity. It's what sometimes when we're looking at the scriptures we call a, a bit of a one-anothering. You know, all of those, uh, those scriptures, particularly in John's letters, you know, be like this to one another. Well, this is an example. It's, you know, let's collectively guard one another. Let's feed and nourish one another. Let's encourage one another. It's not something we have done to us <laughs> and just let it all wash over us. It's something that when we meet together, oh, we're here to feed one another. You know, there's a responsibility about it and it's responsibility that Jesus has given to us because he loves us. Yes. Here's a second reason that I, I love the church and it's this. It's because Jesus is with us. Yes. Who's got Revelation 1 12 to 20, that's Stephen. Great, thank you. Have a listen to this. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. 
His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like that of the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Excellent. Thank you, Stephen. So this is part of the vision that was given to John on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos, read about it in that first chapter of Revelation. Very strange uh, vision, lots of imagery in that chapter, but we see John sees a man walking among seven golden lampstands. Who is the man? Well, the man says, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. That's Jesus. That's who the man is. And he's walking among these seven lampstands, which are the seven churches that Jesus particularly wants to address through the vision that he's giving to John. And Jesus walks among his church yes. by his spirit mm. today. Yes. Just as in the book of Revelation, Jesus knew what was going on in the seven churches he had particular messages for, Jesus knows what is going on in all of his churches today, including this one. Yeah. Jesus walks among us by his spirit. Yes. Yes. You know, when we gather, and it's, it's great to gather, but there's, there's got to be a reverence among us, hasn't there? Jesus is going to be walking among us. Amen. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there on time because Jesus is with us. As, the, as our gatherings continue, Jesus is going to speak to us. You know, but there's a certain um, preparedness we need to have to come into a, a gathering like this because Jesus is going to meet with us. In those seven letters that we find in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, Jesus starts the letter. He says to John, write this down and give it to the churches. And he says this, I know the things you do. He says, I have seen. Um, I know about. There's little phrases in all of these letters. Jesus is passionately committed to what goes on when his church gathers. Yes, that's right. It's no less true here yeah. in Market Harbour mm-hmm. in 2022. Mm-hmm. Can someone just read that little chapter, um, that little reading, Acts chapter 9, first six verses? We're taking a bit of a jump back in time here. We are, um, we are looking at, on this occasion at the occasion that the Apostle Paul was being called from his previous life, to follow Jesus. And uh, Jim, can you read? Meanwhile, 
Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Thank you, Jim. So that's the account of a man named Saul, a very zealous religious man who couldn't stand the fact that there were men and women who had turned from the ancient teachings of Judaism to a new set of beliefs, which was called the way, because they didn't know what to call it. They said, this is the way. In fact, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, the life. It was the way. And Paul hated these people, and he wanted to throw them into prison and was given authority to do so. But Jesus met him. And it's really interesting and vital we understand what Jesus challenged Saul with. He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting people who follow me? Why are you persecuting people who say they are part of the way? Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? Well, I'm Jesus. I am the one you're persecuting. And on the basis that Jesus says to Saul, if you are persecuting the church, you are persecuting me. We can surmise from that, can't we? That if we are loving the church, we are loving Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is deeply, deeply invested in us. His heart is completely bound up in the church. He's not merely present with us. You know, he's kind of here. Then we'll go again. You know, and, and a little bit kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. But he is here and present with us. His heart is tied up with us such that he is actively for us. He's actively for us. He, want, he wants to present us as mature and wants to present us as being glorious and without blemish. He is actively for us in every single way. When we gather on a Sunday morning or on a life group or whatever setting we meet in, that's who we see around us. We are sitting and meeting with people who Jesus actively wants to mature and bless. Yeah? Jesus is among us. And when we take our seats in the gathering, whether we're half a dozen people or whether we're you know, 60, 70 people on a Sunday morning, we can have the attitude that Jesus is gathering with us and wants to bless us and prosper us and mature us to present us to himself mature and without blemish. What a brilliant thing. Once we know who we are, once we know who the people around us are, I believe it will shift our mindset so that our gatherings have a dynamism about them 
that reflects the truth that God has placed deep in our hearts. Here's another reason that I love the church. I want to love the church in response to all that Jesus has done for us. If we think about the way we're born, even a little baby, it doesn't take long before you discover even the sweetest little baby has worked out how to do things that are wrong. And naturally, as a race, we're not seeking God's best for us in the way that we live. And we've done and we've thought and said things that have been in direct opposition to God's best for us. Ephesians 2 says that before we were saved, we're dead because of our disobedience and we were following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, everyone is subject to God's anger. That's every single one of us. But I want us to take us back a little bit and read a longer part of the book of Ephesians together. Uh, it's chapter 1, it's, the, it's verses 3 to 14. I think Kate has got that. We're going to put the words to this on the screen as well because I want to refer back to it a couple of times afterwards. But, um, but, but listen to this and, uh, and, and listen to what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in order to encourage them and ensure them of who they are. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Yes. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Hmm. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amazing. Thank you, Kate. What an amazing thing God has done. And did you notice in there, what an amazing thing that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has done. We have been chosen for adoption by the Father, verse 4 and 5. The church is full of people 
to whom God has loved and God has chosen. And you know, he did that not because of our initiative or our cleverness in any way at all. He did that because he is gracious and loving and merciful towards us. Verse 7, we have been redeemed by the Son. Uh, Not just from our sin of the past. You know, even as believers, there are times when we will have said things and thought things and done things. And perhaps a voice in our head has said, that's not the best way for you to live. That's not God's best for you. And we've gone and done it anyway. But God has forgiven all of our sin. What grace has been poured out in our lives? And then we've been sealed for inheritance by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. The Holy Spirit of God, freely given to all believers, assures us that we belong to God. He affirms that we are his children. The reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit is like a down payment on all that we're going to receive in the future. It's a taste of something now, which we're going to see and receive in all of its fullness. And you know, that is why we can all love the church. I hope that I've been speaking this morning, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I love the church too. This is why we can all love the church. We can look around and see one another. Yeah. Yeah, chosen. Yeah. And accepted. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Redeemed yeah. because of Jesus. Yeah. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. People sitting among us today, knowing the grace of God, yeah. and whether we're in a gathering small or large, that's who we're surrounded by. It's a church that Jesus is not ambivalent about, but rather loves passionately, such that he gave his own life for us. A church that he's totally committed to because he walks among us by his spirit, seeing us, identifying with us in all that we do. And it's a church that he's shown infinite mercy and infinite grace and kindness with a promise of a glorious inheritance that keeps us going, even in difficult times. We all know what it is to have difficult times. But what it is to have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit walking alongside us. Yes, the times are difficult. But I know I have a glorious inheritance. And the Holy Spirit is here to give me a foretaste of it in the here and now. It helps us to know that nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. So let's make sure together, church, that we know who we are, that we really know deep down on the inside who we are, that we know not to take it lightly. Let's commit ourselves to celebrating God's grace among us every time we gather. And let's make sure that we commit ourselves to Jesus and to his mission and to one another. I thought this morning 
as I was uh, getting ready, I thought there's no better way to celebrate all that God has done than by breaking bread and taking wine together. And Stephen is going to lead us in that now. And um, I'm going to hand across to you. And then I think we're going to finish with uh, a short time of worship together. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.